0: Hi, this is Steve Urspringer. This is Worshiping God God's Way, and we're looking at Chapter 5. Chapter 5 has a title of Worship Technicality. And what this means is that true worship, the Prusukinio word that we're talking about, it has been covered by history of technicalities. Now, the technicality, the, the real definition of that word, according to you know, Webster's Dictionary anyway. It's a point of law or small detail of a set of rules. An example is a decision based only on a specific rule or rules and not on any other consideration, not really considering other things other than the rule itself. You know, there was a point in history when uh, the technicalities of worship became tradition, and then were given priority over actual worship itself. It took a long time for that to happen, but it does happen, and it is pretty much prevailing today in the services that we go to. We might not realize it because we're so used to it, but for instance, there is a worship procedure in every church Every gathering of saints, their procedures, and they could be all slightly different, but they're still there. There's traditions, and those procedures over time turn into traditions. Even the churches, the modern ones we have today with the different names and they, they playing the new songs and doing new things and trying to keep up socially with the world they live in, eventually those worship procedures will become traditions to them. And out of those traditions will grow technicalities. You know, today the idea of technicality, you know, that says that worship, you know, is just subject to a list of things. But the idea today that we have is that worship is everything. Just that word itself eliminates worship altogether. Now, what does that say? That's just saying, because we're trying to be socially acceptable and really trying to please everybody, we don't want to leave anybody out. So we say worship is giving our tithe. Worship is singing. Worship is standing in the doorway. Worship is just sitting here. And we're saying that at the same time, we're saying, well, if you want to come down and bow down up here, you can. But you're also telling people that worship is actually other things as well. Now that worship is everything, we don't have to really do anything. The rule is, there are no rules. There's no right way, no wrong way, no God way. So what do we have? When the one lady from the church up north said, we worship a lot of different ways, what is she really saying when she says that? See, the teaching that worship is everything, it weakens the framework of really true worship, what the Bible says is worship, what Jesus was talking about. And if the enemy gets a hold of that, which I believe he has, you know, he achieves his goal. You know, when people think worship is everything or they say they don't even know what it is, then he's going, great, I like that. Some people say they can't worship at all, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Jesus says this in Mark 7, verses 3 through 13. He says, if we teach our traditions as if they were the commandments, our words will have no power. By our own technicalities, we make worship ineffective, We can invalidate the very thing we're trying to achieve. We can nullify it to the point where it just means nothing to him. And you got to remember that worship is about the creator, not the created. So when you start telling people they can worship any way they want and you call it other things, it's no longer about the creator. It becomes about us. So here's a list of things, a short list actually, And I don't mean to pick on people or pick on groups and denominations. That's really not what this is about. But this is just a very short list. And on this list, at the top of the list, you would find the word singing. People will tell you that worship is singing. They will tell you that preaching is worship. Probably the toughest one of all is when people say praise is worship. That's hard for them to process Even prophesying, and if you go to a church where people do that, um, that you're fortunate because it's not too widespread, but even prophesying in the, the best way, the best term, that isn't itself worship either. So you have to read 1 Corinthians 14 to really get a grasp of this because Paul says that the things of the Spirit, and he lists all those things, you can read that, he is saying that these things lead people into a time of worship. He says that because the Lord, through all those giftings, through singing and preaching and talking and prophesying and all the things they do together, it begins to reveal the secrets that they're hiding in their heart, and God sees that. The people don't even see that, but God sees it, and he uses those giftings that we are calling worship, he uses those giftings to reveal a truth to them. And then what they do is they in turn have a manifestation, in a sense, of God's presence, and they bow down and they worship him. But where does that leave us? Does that mean we have to... Renew our minds to get things straight? Or how about just having the mind of Christ when it comes to worshiping? That's a question we need to ask ourselves, especially when we are calling ourselves worship leaders, inviting people to our worship services. We need to make sure that we're not telling them one thing and then doing another.